it wasn't just the floor. Underneath the floor, like, coming from the top, was Mother Suspiriorum's, like, corpse body. Yeah, and it was put there on purpose for her to dance over, knowing that she was going to over-sexualize it. Yeah, but it's not like she's just, like, humping the floor. (laughs) Spiritually, she's having sex with a demon, not with the floor. Hi, I'm Sean. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And that's Chess. And this is Behind the Background. Today we're talking about the 2018 Suspiria, directed by Luca Guadagnino. Yeah. The production designer was Imba Weinberg, and the costume designer was Julia Persanti. She's my cousin. That is a lie. (laughs) We are going to get into the plot a little bit, unless there's someone else important. Are those all the people? (laughs) Those are all the people I wrote down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dakota Johnson. Tilda Swinton, they're super important. Yeah. I feel like Tilda probably had a lot of creative liberty with this movie. She seems like she was in control. The plot has three subplots, and they don't really connect that much or make much sense. The most, the like main plot of it is Dakota Johnson, Susie, is this American girl who moves to Berlin to um, join a dance company. She's a runaway from a Mennonite community in Ohio. (laughs) Okay. And she comes to West Berlin in 1977, and the dance company is right next to the Berlin Wall, which is important but they never, like, directly addressed it. There's just this one terrorist group that, like, they claim that Patricia joined. Patricia's a dancer. She dies. Yeah, in, like, the first scene. If you if you listen to last well, week's no. episode, you know that. Wait, she dies in the first one, too. she dies in the last scene in this movie. Oh. She was alive, yeah. but she was dead, you know? She's alive, but she's dead. Yeah. Because the dance troupe, fun fact, is a coven run by Madame Blanc, who is Tilda Swinton. Patricia has a therapist who is a dude named Dr. Klemperer. Maybe that's his name. (laughs) I don't know. He's just Klemperer. Yeah, just noise. And he is also Tilda Swinton. And he's trying to figure... He's trying to get to the bottom of it. He knows that it's a coven because Patricia told him. But he can't figure it out. And then Dakota Johnson keeps dancing and, like, it's her sexual awakening, kind of. She, like, really humps the floor. And then kills someone with her dancing. And then her friend Olga dies, kind of. And then her friend Sarah, her leg gets ripped open because a hole opens she in the ground. She kills Olga with her dancing. Yeah, but like Olga is still alive. Oh, okay, you're right. The witches have these nice silver hooks that they like shove through people's legs to carry them off. Mm-hmm. What are the other subplots? Like, her relationship with her mom is one. (laughs) Oh, because she has to reject her at the end. Yeah, and, like, I guess that's, like, why they tried to put that in. But everything that I was reading online about it made that seem like a much more important and obvious subplot. Whereas it was actually just, like, a little scene at the beginning and then some random flashbacks Mm -hmm. that were very, like, 
one-shot flashbacks. Yeah, the slightly more obvious subplot is with Dr. Tilda, and he, his wife, like, died in the Holocaust, maybe, and he keeps, like, he keeps being sad about it. Yeah, and then there's supposed to be another subplot, but I don't remember what it was because, honestly, it was hard to follow them all. Lots of stuff happens in this movie. The climax? Dakota Johnson walks into this creepy cellar thingy with, like, stairs. The dance troupe is all down there, and they are flailing around naked. The coven is behind the dance troupe. They are not naked. They are wearing hair. Tilda Swinton is there in this, like, red bathrobe. Tilda Swinton is also there as Mother Marcos, who is just Jabba the Hutt, Mm -hmm. but a person. And then Mother Marcos kills Tilda Swinton by, like, voodooing her neck. And then Dakota Johnson summons mother suspiriorum from hell and she walks up the steps and everything goes red and then half of the people in the basement explode and then dakota johnson kisses the rest and they die and that's the climax of the movie apparently her being a mennonite is important for the first outfit she's in when she's at the um academy because she's supposed to look like a very modest farm girl because she has like suspenders on which i didn't notice when we watched it at first but it's like dark colors and suspenders and it goes all the way up to her neck the shirt in my head the first costume that she wears is just her gray sweatsuit like i don't remember the movie before that point (laughs) she's just in like a gray sweatsuit which to be fair is more than all of the other girls in the dance company are wearing but then she takes off the top of the gray sweatsuit, and then she's wearing the, like, leotard. Yeah, but that's also when she starts, like, dancing and having sex with the floor and voodoo killing someone with her own body. Yeah, so I don't really care if she's wearing more clothes than them. She's acting much more sexualized than all of the girls who are actually not wearing that much clothes. In that scene, at least. Yeah. Which, maybe she was repressed as a Mennonite from Ohio. Yeah, I mean, probably. I can't imagine that she wasn't. It was uh, It was also, beyond just being, like, a Mennonite community, she lived in a very, like, religiously conservative family. So she probably didn't, like, experience anything. She got in trouble just for going to watch people dance. I mean, no, she probably got in trouble for running away to, to New York to watch people dance. Those are two different things. <laughs> She should have gone to Columbus or something and seen the same thing. Yeah, but Tilda Swinton wasn't there. And she has always been obsessed with Madame Blanc. Mm. And then at the end, they have like a weird mental sexual relationship. Anyways, the costume designer actually bought so much bondage rope from like every sex store she could find to make the costumes for this movie. It's so funny because the first Suspiria was designed to be, like, about her losing, Susie losing her innocence. And then this one is just full steam ahead from the beginning. (laughs) 
Because in the first one, she wears white and is supposed to be all pure and pristine. And then right from the first scene of this movie, literally the first time we see her dance, which is almost the first time we see her, she's already acting all sexual with the floor. <laughs> if I don't know how else to describe it. It was weird. Also, important note about her having sex with the floor. It wasn't just the floor. Underneath the floor, like, coming from the top, was Mother Suspiriorum's, like, corpse body. Yeah, and it was put there on purpose for her to dance over, knowing that she was going to over-sexualize it. Yeah, but it's not like she's just, like, humping the floor. Spiritually, she's having sex with a demon, not with the floor. Yeah. And then at one point, there's, she has one of the hooks that the witches use to carry the people. And she's just, like, pointing it at herself. If you had to guess how many hooks they used in this movie, what would you say? Fifteen. Incorrect. Okay, am I way under or way over? You're not way anything. You're actually pretty close. <laughs> really? Is it is it 14? No, it was 12. I almost said 12, and then I was like, no, they probably made, like, three extras. Like, straight up, that was my thought process. I counted how many hooks I thought were new hooks, and then I was like, I got 12, and then I was like, well, earlier than before I got 12, I was like, there's probably going to be three extras, so I added three extra on. Oh, I should have gone with it. Another fun number fact about the way that they did this. For all of the upholstery and curtains and walls in the movie, they used 330 yards of upholstery to like make all the furniture and the curtains and stuff. And 150 of those yards went into the same curtain. The big white one that she pulls closed for the one dance that one time? Yes. <laughs> That's 150 yards of upholstery. That curtain felt very unnecessary. Was there meaning behind it? Big curtain fun? Yeah, that's what I thought too. Before the climax of the movie, they try to do a dance. And this is when they're all wearing bondage ropes. And while everyone is upstairs doing their little dance, Sarah's running around trying to figure out if this is a cult. And she finds this one room where Olga and Patricia are staying. And that's the room of compartments. But the compartments, instead of being like compartments, are these little alcoves with windows in them. And then in front of the windows are pentagrams. And that's where all of the people's bodies are, where they're like stored to be kept in limbo because Patricia's alive, but she's dead. Like, she is not a functioning human being at that point. She's all gray when Sarah comes across her. Her eyes are all white. So it's like a limbo room for them. And Weinberg said that it was inspired by coffin beds for homeless people in England. And also, like, Puritan schools and stuff. That I did get the vibes of, like, those, like, coffin room things where it's, like, the people sleeping in the walls. Not, like, in the walls. You know what I'm talking about. Most of the interior shots in this movie were filmed in this one hotel that they found in Italy. It was an abandoned hotel that was built in like 1910 to 1912, and then it stopped being used in 1968. And it was called the Grand Hotel Campo de Fieri, 
or Fiori. So they took this giant old Art Deco type, Art Nouveau type hotel, and they transformed the entire thing into the above ground and the underground world of the movie. But because it was like on the top of a mountain and it was super inconvenient for filming, they had to redo all of the electric and they had to fix all of the plumbing in the hotel. They had to build a satellite office for the art team so that it could be on site. One of the biggest rooms in the movie is the dance studio and that's built in the like lobby of the hotel. So the floor for that got a lot more wear and tear than a normal set would because everyone had to walk over to get to everything else. Why would they do that? Why would they make that room right there? That was the biggest space that they had. Oh. And it needed to be like the largest room. But for like the underground world part, the coven part, they actually built all of those in the underground part of the hotel. I didn't realize that hotels had that much underground space, and I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like that makes sense. But, like, there were some huge spaces, though, like, not just... Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like every hotel has a basement, and the basement's not going to be a bunch of little hotel rooms, so... No, not like that. Like, they had archways and stuff. Oh, like, it was really high up. Yeah, they had tall ceilings. And I wouldn't imagine... That's where all the illegal activities happen in the world. Mm. Also, this is... Wait, where was the hotel? It was in Italy. So, like, imagine an Italian hotel basement. (laughs) Now now it makes sense. And then they built the Berlin Wall outside. They actually built the Berlin Wall twice for this movie. Once in Germany and then once in Italy. Wait, you told me it was the Berlin... Why would they build the Berlin Wall in Germany? (laughs) <laughs> because some of the exterior shots were in Germany. Why didn't they just use the Berlin Wall? Wait, is the Berlin Wall not still there? That's like a thing that people go see, right? Parts of it, but that was a whole big thing in history where someone was like, Mr. President, tear down this wall. And then yeah. like everyone like tore down the wall. Yeah, I thought they just like messed up a little tiny like pathway. <laughs> They made one little hole that, like, two people could walk through at a well, time, no, and that I was I the fall I guess I knew that they messed it up more, but there, there's, there's parts of it that they could have used and just, like, CGI'd, like, the rest on. Like, wouldn't that have been easier than building a whole new Berlin Wall twice? <laughs> I don't know. They wanted it to look like this one specific town, and they were trying to go for that feel of it. Why did they go to the town? Well, because the wall isn't there anymore. They did... <laughs> Which movie did you like more, aesthetically? Aesthetically? I did like this one better, actually. I agree. Okay. I think that the other one was... too much. Yeah. And they said that, um... I don't remember who said that, but it was in... something that I read where... They wanted it to be a little bit more minimalist, but they still wanted to, like, have things that were odd and, like, make things noticeable in the backgrounds. But they wanted to make sure that it was nothing like the first movie, because the first movie was so, like, self-indulgent and flamboyant, and they did not want that at all. So, like, they made an effort 
to like make everything still very like aesthetic and meaningful and obvious without being obnoxious or self-indulgent. I will say like production wise, I did like the physical spaces in the first movie more probably, but it was so hard to enjoy them because every scene is just like aggressively bombarded by red light or blue light or green light and it was too much. I do think it was too much because of the light, but I also think it was too much in the first movie because while I did love some of the rooms and I was like, oh, that's really cool, whether it was the wallpaper or like the couches or something, there was always so much. Like they would have a really fun, cool looking room and then they would add more things and then they would add more things and then it just looked like a bunch of hoarders Mm -hmm. because we're like, where are all of these things coming from? Why are they in this room? There's actually a quote from... Um, the director of the original or from the production designer of the original I don't remember which one where they said that the thought process throughout designing the movie was never subtract always add and you can really see that in the first one but sometimes I think less is more like I, I enjoyed that this one had empty spaces for them to go into Like, I enjoyed when the costume designer was like, I don't want to design a costume for you. You're all going to be naked now. (laughs) It's really nice of her. You know, it's it's the small things, the minimalist, the taking away. (laughs) I was a little bit... Okay, so you're saying that that the naked bodies were minimalist, but right behind them were these women wearing hairdresses. Yes. So that all of the dresses were made of real human hair... Okay, and each dress had a different hair. Like they had the same hair, like per dress, but like every dress had different hair. I mean, obviously, it's, like it's a lot of hair. Okay, wait, let me restart. What was I saying? The hairdresses. Yeah, so the hairdresses are made of real human hair, which is disturbing but fun, and I totally love and respect it. But they tried to make each dress out of like the same like color hair palette it said that they tried to make them all look like all the hair came from the same place but that doesn't make sense because there was so much hair on these dresses so maybe well maybe i misinterpreted blonde people and you cut off their hair because it that's not enough for a dress but they wanted it they wanted us to get tell me if you got this from it so remember how they cut um what's her name's hair Mm -hmm. the main character yeah dakota yes Susie. susie So they cut Susie's hair at one point because they take the hair of everyone. Like they had cut Patricia's hair and everything. Now they wanted us to think that the hairdressers were made from the hair that was cut off of the dancers who they had previously like brought into the coven. I did not get that. I didn't like I get it now, but I didn't. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I didn't get it. I thought the hair was just well because they described using hair in other parts of the film as a way to use like the feet like archetypes of the female body which i thought archetypes of the female body makes me think like not actually using the female body or like things on it like i was like oh like flowers or something well that's but no they straight up female persona she straight up like took vaginas 
and put them on dresses. I don't think you noticed this because I didn't notice it until after I read the article and saw the pictures. I did not notice this. But they took all of the dresses and blouses and stuff that either had like full humans or like boobs or or vaginas or something like printed on the fabric that made up like all of their clothes. Like For she, every outfit? Not every single outfit, but so many of them. And it's like subtle. There's even one of the dresses that Tilda wears early in the movie. Not her brown dress. No, the brown dress doesn't have a pattern on it. That was my it? favorite. Yeah, that was a good dress because it, it that dress was actually also very important because it, it was supposed to make her look a lot longer and taller than she was to make her look more powerful. And it, I think it did. She looked very it she reminded me of like Mother Earth type vibes. Yeah. She looked very tall and like she could beat someone up. She looked good in everything that she wore though. Even when she was dressed as a man. This is true. Yeah. Oh, mm, I just lied. Because she did not look good as <laughs> Mother Marcos. To be fair, as Mother Marcos, she wasn't wearing clothes. She was just wearing human flesh. Yeah, prosthetics. Oh my god. I couldn't find what. <laughs> the end. Mother Marcos has hanging off of her bicep. I was about to say that. Like a baby's hand. Like there was another one on her stomach. And they just jiggle. I swear to God, the fingers wiggled at one point. There, she, her body is like, like covered in other body parts. It's grotesque. It's so bad. <laughs> it is really bad. I'm gonna go back to the hairdressers real quick before. Oh, yeah, I forget. Sorry, I don't even think I was done with the hairdressers. She wanted to make them so that you could still see the female body, which I didn't get. I got female body covered in paper bag made yeah, out of hair. Yeah, okay, but you got, like, female body doing female body movements because I didn't. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, no. a, like, a... like, she tried to build the dresses, so they're made of, like, little wire hoops, and, like, each wire hoop has the hair draped over I it. I saw the wire hoops. But it still looked like you covered someone in the paper bag, and that doesn't leave room yeah, to like, well, see the body. The reason she did the wire hoops the way she did was to try and make it so that they could still express their physical femininity while they danced in the background, which I did not get from it. I feel like if she wanted us to get from the hair-wearing people physical femininity, they shouldn't have positioned a bunch of naked women right in front of them. My favorite thing about this is that she did extensive research about witchcraft and, like, witch symbolism, and instead of using anything, she literally says, I found myself more interested elsewhere, and then decides to use the woman's body as the entire design tool. You know what? Good for her, though, for, like, making her own decisions instead of... Instead of following symbolism that would mm -hmm. make sense to people? Yeah. Instead, she just made it into, like sexualizing the female body through this whole thing like we see nipples in every scene <laughs> this is true no and one she wears designed bras. the clothes oh but interesting no one wears bras i don't know how bras were in the 70s but she did make it she wanted to just put subtle things in to make us feel like we were in the 70s as the audience without being like using all of the 70s tropes of like fashions and trends that were going on so she just put like little things in to be like oh yes this is what people wore in the 70s and mm. then i didn't get that well did you get that they were they weren't wearing 70s clothing though 
at all. That's what I got. I got that they weren't wearing 70s clothes. Everything was too oh. muted to be the 70s. Well, they tried to give... They, she tried to give, like, 70s styles to, like, a few people at different points in time. Even if it was just, like, in the area. Not necessarily any of the main characters. Mm-hmm. So that we would get, like, the 70s vibe. But she really didn't want to, like... She didn't want to shove 70s in anyone's face. She was like, there are so many other things in the movie that we would rather focus on, as opposed to, we're in the 70s. That's fair, because one of my biggest criticisms of the first movie was that everything they did was so in your face. It was just too much at all times. Like, everything was giving you 100. Mm -hmm. So dialing something back like that, I feel like if they did really hit home that it was in the 70s, instead of the feel that they did go for, that would have been distracting. And I think that she does that very purposefully because I'm sure she means no disrespect to the first movie, but she wanted people to see this movie and know from the get-go that it was completely different than the first one, the original, because Mm -hmm. she was like, I'm going to change everything. I want, they want them to see Susie and we don't want her to wear white modest linen clothing. She's going to wear a black dress. She's going to have her titties out. Like, <laughs> we're going to do whatever we want. And they had the same approach with the production design in Weinberg because she hadn't seen the original movie either. So where the first one was inspired by, like, Art Deco and Art Nouveau, she tried to go for much more, like, a modernist-type look in the architecture that they designed. And then every once in a while, the the physical design of inside spaces, like Madame Blanc's apartment, take inspiration from Art Deco, but most of the time, it's much more modern. Another inspiration that they took, this one specific architect named Adolf Luce. He had a building called the Goldman and Salach building, or the Luce House, and for the big grand opening of the dance company, it's not called an opening, it's called a lobby, you know, with the big staircase that goes up and then the big, like, wooden frame in the center of it? Yeah. They took inspiration directly from his loose house of green and white marble on the walls. I don't know if you noticed that, but that was really cool, too. I didn't notice that. Was that in the hotel? Did they build that in the hotel? They, they, a lot of the scenes, because the hotel was old and decrepit and falling apart, and also the wrong style. So they like they put over top of all of the original designs what they wanted instead. That makes sense. And they wanted kind of they described it as faded luxury is the feel that they wanted, and it does feel pretty faded and muted. Yeah, I I think they did a good job of fulfilling that vision. Um, it was very minimalist. Everything is very minimalist though. Um, like Madame Blanc is supposed to represent the most minimalist character. And uh, Julia Prisanti was like really, she was her favorite character to design for because she was trying to make her life and her art and her dancing, like everything that encompasses this character, she was trying to entwine it all into the outfits that she was wearing. So even if it was just like a brown sock looking dress, she tried to design everything in a way that would represent and encompass like the entirety of Madame Blanc mm-hmm. and she had fun trying to do that with all of her costumes while like, still being minimalist yeah everything she wore was really it looked like simple designs but still like 
powerful and I don't know if they were going for regal necessarily, but elegance. Mm-hmm. Her dress in the last scene is just this big red thing. I thought it was orange, but it is red. The costume designer describes it as red. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so upset by that. I am. I was really certain that it was an orange dress and that it only turned red after she bled all over it. It but makes. I was wrong. It makes sense, though, because the the two like most visually striking parts of the film i feel like were her in that dress and then during the the dance performance scene when they're all wearing the bondage dresses which are like made of red ropes to look like blood yeah and in the original movie the most noticeable scenes were all the red ones too so it kind of tied back in a little bit even though they were trying to distance themselves from the original movie when they danced like ever and if there was it was creepy background music for the audience and not the actual music they were dancing to they always danced in silence or to like slight piano but you would hear them all breathing the entire time like there'd be no music but all the dancers would be like It was very Midsummer vibes. And I think that's why I was so aware of it when it started happening earlier. Because they focused so much on people breathing this whole time. And I don't know why. It probably has to do with some sort of fun symbolic like scheme. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But even they'd be like transitioning between scenes. And I think it might have only happened two or three times. But maybe it happened more. I don't know. Where one person would breathe... Like, they'd breathe in or out or something, and then it switched scenes, and we'd hear another person, like, finish the breath. There were a lot of parts of this movie that had kind of midsummer vibes to it. Like, the focus on breathing. Towards the beginning, when Susie is doing her first dance with the floor, all of the witches in the coven are having a strong reaction to it, and that kind of watching that to me felt like the group empathy in midsummer i thought about that while we were watching that scene Mm -hmm. and then at the end deciding to have the climax as a bunch of naked people doing doing group activities together group activities being dancing (laughs) they were just dancing they were writhing around i would not describe it's contemporary (laughs) it was flailing But the bondage rope dresses... (laughs) Yes, I was about to go there. The bondage rope rope dresses. They were all made of red bondage rope that she did go buy from sex shops in her area. And she spent a lot of her time costume designing, learning how to tie proper bondage knots. So that she could properly tie the bondage rope for the costume in bondage knots. And she made, like, a little, like... Was it a pentagram? Mm-hmm. She wor- She spent so long trying to make the pentagram on the rope costumes out of actual bondage knots that were properly done. And she did. It, it did a good job. The first time I watched this movie, 
I didn't realize that they were supposed to be bondage ropes and that that was the bad. I wouldn't have realized that this second she time. She puts either. a lot of emphasis on it whenever she's talking about them. She's always talking about. Well, okay, so the reason she did that, it was actually modeled over um, a piece that was created by another choreographer for a dance that this dance was actually based on. Yeah, okay, that's the vibe that I got from them. When I was watching it, I was like, those look like they would be really fun if these people started swinging around. So I got that it felt very much like it was trying to go for something that would look cool while it was moving. So the dance that this is based on, they wore white rope costumes. And she wanted to also make rope costumes because she liked the movement that it gave and thought it looked fun. Mm -hmm. But she wanted to make it super fun and meet the theme of Susie's sexual awakening of over sexualizing every part of this movie yeah so then she goes in and just talks about how she wanted it to be bondage ropes and how she wanted everything to be about sex what did Guadagnino think of it was he in favor of I mean obviously he has final say I don't think he cared much because in any article I read about the costume designer, it only mentioned him after the name of the movie. It would be like, in Guadagnino's Suspiria, blah, 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 blah. And then it would never mention him again. So I don't know if they ever had any disputes mm-hmm. or if they got along super well. But it seemed like she had full creative of like... Like liberty, creative yeah, freedom. thank you. Over the outfits. That's in the fair. entire movie. Because she seems to put a lot of interesting thought into all of them. And I feel like if he vetoed anything she did, she would probably be like, well, then I'm restarting it all. <laughs> because I, I get that energy from her when she's reading it, where, when she's talking about this. That's interesting, though, because in the research that I was doing for the production design, Weinberg talks about it not like it was a fully collaborative process between her and Guadagnino. But she did say that before they ever started remodeling the hotel to make it look like what they wanted, she and Guadagnino spent a long time looking at reference images and books from the time period and things that they wanted to see. And they both came with all of their own references, like piles of it. And some of them matched up and some of them were different and it was just they came together and decided what the aesthetic was going to be. So it wasn't like she had total creative freedom. Okay, this is going to be entirely, like, speculative. But I feel, (laughs) okay, like maybe she came with a bunch of ideas and it was all about just using the female body for everything. And he was like, girl, I can't help you, just do it. I feel like that is what happened. What did she work on before? <laughs> I know she knit sweaters. <laughs> Wait. She only she did the costumes for Call Me By Your Name in 2017. Oh, he directed that. He directed that too? Yeah. So that's pro- they probably knew each other from that. Yeah. And then he was like, yeah, I liked working with her. She was fun. Okay. That's I'm That's guessing. Fair. I'm just guessing. That seems like a very in-industry thing to happen. Yeah. The other one is called A Bigger Splash, but that looks like a weird drama from 2015, so... 
I think he directed that too. Really? So he probably did just trust her and say, yeah, go for it. But she also, after she finished making the costumes, which weren't much, it was just like they covered their chest area and then they didn't even, she didn't even make a bottom thing for it. They were all wearing like skin tone underwear and then just had ropes hanging down. And the ropes were supposed to also look like dripping blood. But she said that that was an afterthought when she made them. The dripping blood? Yeah. She said after she made them and saw them, she thought it looked like dripping blood and the movement mm-hmm. of like the, with the weight of the ropes or something. Yeah. The, I noticed that they were the tied drip. at the bottom. Yeah. But she also wanted to point out that with the extra rope that she bought, because she bought a ton of rope for this project, she just tied them around their arms and legs at different places Mm -hmm. to just, like, give it more fabric or, like, rope to swing around while they're dancing. Because she just really wanted everything to emphasize the dance. But she wanted to show the really, like abrupt like did you see how swift the movements were from mm-hmm. the other dancers yeah and she thought that those were very they were very like big swift moves that she thought the ropes would emphasize well i don't know if she she must have known the dance before oh yeah because it's based on the other dance yeah. they told her that mm-hmm. i think that that worked i that is one thing like i didn't love the dance specifically because i don't know enough about it to care that much and also it was silent which was weird but I appreciate that this movie about a dance company actually included dance whereas the first one like you were told that they were in a dance company and then they didn't dance and they never danced and that was really frustrating to me because I love dance movies and when I found out that Suspiria was at a dance academy and we watched the first one I was so excited to see the dance and they didn't dance at all And then this one, they danced all the time. Dancing was actually part of it. Mm -hmm. Which was good. And also probably adds to how they wanted to give it its own visual signature. Mm -hmm. That was something that she she said that we discussed earlier where she wanted to give... Everyone wanted to give this version of Suspiria its own visual signature. And they killed it. Yeah. Because they added dancing. They changed literally everything they could change. But you Mm -hmm. still know it's the same story. Yeah, I would say, like, with the last one, the 1977 version, it's very focused on color and lighting, but this one felt a lot more focused on movement. Like, whether that was the actors on camera or even, like, the camera itself, there were a lot of points where it would just randomly zoom in really fast or back up Mm -hmm. or turn. And I think for the storyline, even, it makes so much more sense to focus on movement than it does to focus on the lighting and the colors. Because as much as the lighting and colors are great, the symbolism isn't always there. Like, the lighting and colors in the first movie were always meant to mean something, and they didn't always do a fantastic job of it. Whereas, and there was so much to keep track of, too. Yeah, and it was impossible to keep up with, like, all of the things we're supposed to be keeping track of. In this movie, even though the plot was hard to follow at times because they added more things, like, storyline-wise... Two of the Swinton's three characters. Yeah. Which she kills. In a good way. Yes. And a literal way. They all die. Spoiler alert. Um, and also, I don't know how, I don't know much about the director, but one of the articles I read said, and this is a quote, despite his tendency 
referring to Guadagnino or whatever his name is. Yeah, Guadagnino. It said, despite his tendency towards maximalism, the director and his costume designer wanted to avoid aimless flamboyance. So that's the only sentence I think I've ever seen director and costume designer right next to each other. Mm -hmm. They don't normally talk about that. But it says they wanted to avoid aimless flamboyance, which I think was kind of targeted at the first movie because that was in the same article that they were talking about their like visual signature. Yeah. Looking back on the experience of watching, I watched this movie first about a year ago and then the original Suspiria for the first time a week ago and then this again. And I understand the significance of the first Suspiria for the horror genre, but I honestly appreciated this one more. I feel like it had, it was an hour longer, but it still felt like it had a, a tighter story. It was an hour longer? Yeah. I can confidently say it did not feel like an hour longer because I wanted to keep watching this one, whereas the first one, I kept getting really bored and confused and just wondering how much longer it was going to go on. And this one had its three subplots going on, mm -hmm. but the first one just kept throwing random things to happen, like episodes in it, like the maggots happen and then they're all and sleeping like the on the floor. that's blind. Yeah. This one felt a lot more cohesive, even though it was longer and had more threads to tie together. Hmm. And I think it was visually more cohesive too because it wasn't like you went from a royal blue room to a red room with red lights to a purple bathroom or something. It wasn't, it didn't feel so disconnected everywhere you went. And there was also character development i think more than the other one wait no hear me out on this because in the first movie susie bannon is this white modest pure character like that's her symbolism until literally the last minute of the movie when she kills the witch mm -hmm. whereas in this one they show throughout her becoming they they describe it as her evolving into her own womanhood she has a violent evolution <laughs> yeah no but they they did it a lot with her wardrobe changes which i didn't like i knew that her wardrobe change like was happening a lot but i didn't realize how much until i looked through like a series of pictures from different points in the movie because they wanted her to slowly become more open and more strong looking so like it starts where she's wearing like modest dark clothes and like the suspenders right after she comes to the thing and then she's wearing the gray sweatsuit when she's dancing and then slowly she goes into the sweat shorts and then she has i don't remember a few of the other ones but when she goes out to dinner with the witches she looks much like older and more comfortable in like a more elegant shirt Mm -hmm. piece so she's more like comfortable in her own body and her yeah. own skin and she like throughout the movie she meets her full like acceptance and like her womanhood at the end when she's in like the completely see-through brown robe that was supposed to be like the like the climax of her becoming her own woman that's interesting that feels like not not through the clothing necessarily but the storyline that feels kind of like midsummer to me too because florence Pugh the whole time 
is she's doing something that as an audience member you clearly know is not a good choice she's joining a cult yeah but it's presented in the movie as like her liberation from an abusive relationship yeah they really feel similar to me they 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 do feel really similar those are my biggest points um i got all of my sources from uh articles on cnn style vogue and vulture my sources came from Dazine, deadline architectural digest and bright lights film thank you to the sources thank you to the people who made the film it was pretty cool hi mom hi dad Thank you to Julia Prisanti for giving me only what you gave me to read. I'm just kidding. Cut that out. <laughs> Do you want me to leave him the hi mom, hi dad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, you can put it at the beginning if you want. No, I'm just kidding. Don't put it at the beginning. Put something about bondage ropes at the beginning. Next week, we might talk about The Shining. We might talk about us. We might talk about Annihilation. We might talk about Hill House. Who knows? We'll see. One of those four, though. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Those are the next four episodes. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye.